Check the program. 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 Welcome to Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four local writers who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in the city and decided to do something about it. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm Melanie Trump Cooper. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands. And much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. All right, so what are we talking about this week? We've got a couple of reviews. Um, we've got Theater and Canoes, Crumble, Lay Me Down, Justin Timberlake. How's that for a title? Yeah, no kidding, hey? Bit of a Every Brilliant Thing at the Belfry Theater, uh, Salty Broads, Girl Power. Girl Power. One Night Only, a little revival of the Fringe hit. Um, a... An, a little mention of a brand new uh, world premiere play that was at it uh, had a little run at the Intrepid Theatre Club called Secrete, and I actually sat down with Brian Linz, uh, the sound designer of uh, Every Brilliant Thing, and we had a little chat with him. And then, of course, our traditional look ahead at how you can keep yourself busy uh, before, during, and after the holidays. So much to choose from. There's yeah. Tons. Tons. Yeah, I mean, like, if you are really sick of your family, there are <laughs> right. a lot of ways that you can... to avoid them. Yeah, right. yeah, a lot of ways you can get out of the house um, over over the holidays. Um, what what show should we talk about first? Well, let's start with Theatre in Kanu, just because it's been open the longest. Yeah. Um, we'll be uh, democratic that way. Uh, <laughs> Crumble, Lay Me Down, Justin Timberlake, uh, Sheila Callahan's play, uh, directed here by Don Keith. What an unusual play. Um, <laughs> the title says it all. You know, the little blurb on the program says, Sheila Callahan has got your holiday show. It's a holiday show because it's set around the holidays. Is like, it a holiday show? Is it like how in... Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... Weird. More like Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. More I mean, like Gremlins. Both, both Those are good comparisons. Uh, it's a very quirky show. It's an unusual show. So in it, I, it's even difficult to nutshell what this show is. So it's, um, it's a five-hander, five people in the cast, uh, one of whom is the apartment itself. So the apartment is an actual character uh, who's on stage looking like a regular human, but speaking like the apartment. Um, Matthew Connolly plays the apartment. And living in this uh, apartment, which we're told is a rundown mansion, uh, days of glory long since passed, uh, a mother and her daughter. Um, uh, the father has died accidentally. It sounds like the previous Christmas, so the mother's still in mourning. Uh, the daughter, who's 11, is uh, not having a great time adjusting to the new reality. Uh, the mother's sister is sort of a stereotypical kooky cat lady who literally has like 57 cats instead of a Are family of Are those on stage? In, in a fashion, she sort of talks to the cats as the audience members. And there's a <clears throat> funny point where they play a, a Christmas carol, but it's cats meowing instead of you know, the music of A Christmas Carol. Is it so, sad that I've heard that before? Well, it was, it was a pretty <laughs> funny moment in the show, which 
I don't know if that says something about the rest of the show. Anyways, it's a very <laughs> unusual show. So we get all this. And then uh, where Justin Timberlake and Harrison Ford come in is that the daughter and the mother are both um, uh, trying to find solace or a sense of uh, relief or acceptance by these imaginary people in their lives. Uh, so the daughter looks to Justin Timberlake and the mother looks to Harrison Ford. Um, and the, then the apartment is this looming presence in their lives has these long, uh, languorous odes, very poetic speeches about his past and when the, when the mansion used to be a brothel and what it was like then with women kneeling on his floor. It's very sensual language. Mm -hmm. it's like, but isn't this a comedy? What, what are we watching here? So it goes on and uh, ultimately it comes down to uh, how this family reconciles with, uh, with what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's it. <laughs> it's, a very, it's one of the stranger shows. Was the apartment a seen. useful character? Or like... Well, it turns out, from what I understood from the show, the apartment was actually complicit in the death of the husband. Um, pitching, like a loose floorboard, sort of pitched the husband off a ladder mm. when he was putting the star on the Christmas tree and oh, yeah. pushed him out the window and he died. But it seems like the apartment helped manufacture that from it's a very strange show. Mm -hmm. Two hours with an intermission. Well, Didn't need an intermission at all. Uh, would have been better just to crack right through it and mm -hmm. get it done. Um, it, it was. Uh, there's not much to say about this show. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really recommend it. Mm. Um, I can recommend the uh, the fact that they're mounting an unusual play, and uh, yeah. It, w it certainly wasn't a highlight for me. Oh, that's too bad. Because yeah. often Inconu mounts these really mm -hmm. unusual plays and they're so great and you've never seen them before. Absolutely. And they're, um, yeah, Absolutely. they're such a treat. But... Well, and, and of, you know, the best, <laughs> I felt the best person in the cast was uh, the guy who played Justin Timberlake and Harrison Ford, John Hunwick. He mm -hmm. was, you know, when he comes on stage as Justin Timberlake and he actually does, uh, he does some singing, he does some dancing and everything. Like it was, it's a real highlight of the show when we see that. And then he comes on as Harrison Ford in his Indiana Jones guys with the leather jacket and the fedora. And he comes in and he's kind of talking like mm -hmm. Harrison Ford. And it's pretty fun at that point. But tonally, the mm, shifts are just over crazy. The place. And the, this depressive daughter and her dangerous plan for what she's going to do. And yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then the cat lady just being sort of a straight up sitcom character. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Tried to cover a lot of bases in one show. It but kudos sure for the sure did. It yeah. sure did. Mm -hmm. it and is, I, it's yeah. kind of show I think it might actually read better on the page than it yeah. actually played mm -hmm. out on the stage. Because yeah. the language was lovely, but kind of slow going to sit there and mm -hmm. listen to it all as well. Um, anyways, Inconu has announced their 2020 season as well, which looks very strong. There's all sorts of things coming up. Curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Oh, that's that's been done here before, hasn't it? Uh, I don't know if it or, has, actually. Yeah, yeah why I is that ringing a bell? Big Tony winner from years ago. Oh, that's years probably ago. why. Yeah. Um, dog Sees God, Confession of a Teenage Blockhead. Dogs. Uh, dogs everywhere. Yeah, mm -hmm. East of Berlin, a Hannah Moscovich play. Oh, great. Mm. Uh, the Black Rider, the casting of the Magic Bullets, which was such a hit at Intrepid when that was brought That's in great. quite a few years ago. Tom Waits. Oh, that Spurs was so musical. good. Mm -hmm. That so show good. was incredible. Yeah, and I'm just looking at your program. It says this closed 33 years for yeah. theater and Kanu. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kudos to Kanu for always bringing in something different. Mm -hmm. uh, this one just didn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long does it run if... Uh, continues until December the 14th. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Sean. Cool. 
And so uh, I think I'm the only one who actually hasn't seen every brilliant thing yet at the Belfry. Um, I, it sounds like we have some differing opinions at the table about the show. I, I can't wait to hear. I had the... differing opinions in the house when I saw it, <laughs> yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. I'll leave it to you That's... guys. You, you, can, you can start. <laughs> Who wants to start? Don't everyone jump in at once. For a well, show with so much sure. audience participation, the irony of us not jumping in. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, every brilliant thing. Um, a different kind of show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, built on audience participation um, by Duncan McMillan with Johnny Donahoe. And um, performed really well by Don Petten, who plays her. The mm-hmm. lead character, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's a sort of immersive experience. It's um, done as I guess you call it theater in the round, with the audience being on stage and the actor very much in the middle center of things. So the play starts before the play starts, with her, the actor, coming out and um, sort of handing out bits of paper to people who are audience members or will be audience members, and you don't know what it is. Um, I think mine was like 393 or something. Oh, you eating, got one. Yeah, mm-hmm. eating oh, okay. dessert for a main course. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so, um, and that all happens in the lobby. Mm-hmm. The that show. all happens yeah. in the lobby. And um, and I'm not sure, but I don't think any of the people who have more substantial roles are approached beforehand. I think she just picks them out. And um, so the premise of the show is a little, a little sad, a little dark. It's a... A young girl whose um, mother is struggling with mental illness and uh, thoughts of suicide. And to sort of counter these dark times in her life, she starts making a list of all the wonderful things in the world, um, like ice cream and roller coasters and all the way up to every brilliant little thing you can imagine. Yeah. And, um, and that's sort of a therapeutic thing for her. And, um, and so we're taking on that journey with her. And it is a really neat premise. Um, the night that we that I went was opening night, and I felt like it was a bit of a struggle. <laughs> I think because one of the when you involve your audience so much, you're taking a big risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the the participation was a hundred percent into it. Mm. So I mm-hmm. think that made for a little bit of a totally. struggling show because um, you sort of lose that. The breaks between the audience participation were not long enough to get into the character. Mm. Um, so you kind of never, you always had that fourth wall broken down. You never really connected to the character because you were sort of worried about the next time someone would have to participate mm-hmm. and look like they really didn't want to. There's <laughs> a chap, an older chap at the end of my row. I went on the preview night. And when she came into the house and started moving towards him, every time he put up his hand, mm-hmm. like literally over his face and drop his head down. And this two or three times he was doing this. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, people, not everybody was into the idea of yeah. participating. Yeah, and I think I think she was reading that for the most part. But then she also didn't, and then maybe it's the example you're referencing, Sarah, the person meant to be her lover. So recurring mm-hmm. audience mm-hmm. member mm-hmm. character. His girlfriend, so we were sitting just in front of them, she was having a fit every time he was being called on. So I think he was reading off her energy and he actually tried to shut it down. Like he tried to take himself out of it when she first approached him and she didn't let him, which I thought was interesting from an improv perspective, right? Where 
You don't, yeah, move on to the next person. You don't move on to the next person. Like, he kind of created an out for himself. He said, my girlfriend's sitting there, like, to shut down the interaction, and she didn't accept it. She said, that's not what he said. He said this, and kept going and bringing him up. And I thought it was an interesting choice to not let that. Yeah. Yeah, like, wouldn't you want someone who was more into it? Mm -hmm. Like... It's tough. Like, and then you kind of get either in, way. Yeah. yeah. And then you get into sort of ideas around consent and yep. like, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, and that's the pros and the cons of this show. Like yeah. the pro, it's a very clever concept. It's a very mm-hmm. different concept. It very much involves the audience. The con is that it's a very different concept. It involves the audience. Mm-hmm. And one of the people the night I was there, like he was very soft spoken. You couldn't actually hear the lines he was saying and she wasn't repeating them back. Mm-hmm. So the you know the narrative art kind of gets lost at that yeah. point because you can't really hear things. And then one other guy seemed like he was enjoying it too much, and she mm-hmm. had to sort of take away from what he was right. doing because he was trying to be mm-hmm. the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, and here's my question: What did that concept add to the theme? Mm-hmm. Like that's what mm-hmm. I've been thinking over since I yeah. saw it. Like why, you know, when we're talking about, and it's you know a bit holiday feel good in that sense of remembering the little things, yeah. and that that's you know what makes life worth living, um, at you know juxtaposed against this quite sad and and um kind of heartbreaking personal journey that she's going through so what was it like making the whole room you know structuring it i know that that is the creator's choice in the round and having the whole audience be a part of it give and take you don't know if you are or you aren't or whatnot and so how that like underscored the motifs that they were going for i'm still trying to figure that out like what that contributed bring you in you know like bring some humanity to it and i was trying to think of the name of the fringe play in the summer, um, the British character, do you guys remember? Oh, um, Red Bastard? Red Bastard? No, no. it was a, a woman, uh, I forget her name, where you had to, where you wrote Samantha? Down, Samantha, dear yes. Samantha. Oh, right, yeah. yes. And that was one where it was done similarly. You write your questions, just write mm-hmm. a question, any question. And then when it gets to the part where Samantha's answering the questions in, in character, you learn about everybody in the room and everyone sort of opens up a bit. Mm-hmm. And it really creates a beautiful thing. And I think that this play has the potential for that, but, um, but it almost was a little too sticky. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then if you don't have an audience, and one of the things that kept coming up in opening night, I thought, is that I noticed just by chance a number of the participants were struggling with reading, um, or maybe even nerves, and maybe were you know um, uh, non-native English speakers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. felt you could tell there was a nervousness there. And it made it challenging. So I thought, oh, well, what do you do when people maybe don't have that? What if it was someone who didn't have that ability or something? You know, do you keep them on the spot and just power through? Well, and the other thing I wondered about on a small house, like if you had a small house for that show, Mm -hmm. like what are the, the, like 30, I'm going to say about 30 speaking parts that the audience has to do between the numbers and the characters Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, the night I went, I was surprised at how small the house was. The stage wasn't full. The back row was completely empty. There's quite a few seats on the sides for a preview. I thought it was surprising that the house was light. And it made me think, well, what do you do in that kind of a situation? Right. Do you just not give out a lot yeah. of the numbers? or? But you need them all. Yeah. Well, you need you them can. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and she called a couple of numbers in my show that nobody responded to. Wow. And she yeah. had to deal with that, that people either chose yeah. not to Maybe they fell asleep. They I don't lost know. It. What, I dropped mine halfway yeah, through. Yeah, or maybe they dropped it. Yeah. And uh, and Sarah, your point about the reading thing, like they're having their the Belfry's first ever relaxed performance mm. as part of this right. show, which is uh, wonderful. It's great. But what if you have folks in that audience who have some kind of 
developmental sure. yeah, um, thing where they maybe they have stru- they have struggles with reading comprehension, right? Um, so, yeah, are you? That might be, yeah, or less... they have vision problems, or mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. that might be. It could be kind of like traumatic. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you put someone be... on the spot, and then you're kind of like highlighting their. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say when it worked, it worked well. Like mm-hmm. you yeah. know, when it mm-hmm. worked, and people were reading things off. Like I was sitting there going, "Oh yeah, you know what? That is a great thing about life." Mm-hmm. You know, totally. Like, mm-hmm. And some of them were so weird, like you know the 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 peeing in the ocean one was mm-hmm. it was so strange and it's like who would put that and on the so list? universal and, it was, and when, when somebody read it out like somebody on the other side of the room was like yes you know it's like really that's not ice cream not chocolate this is what you go yes to and i guess that's one thing about the format is that person could yell out yes yes like exactly. in a in a play a traditional play if you did it the, in a traditional way, someone wouldn't be able to just express themselves yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great so point. that would be an advantage of doing yeah. it that yeah, it's way. It's almost right? like with a show like that, the stars really need to be aligned. Mm-hmm. There was a sound, some sound issues in the show as well, mm-hmm. which just the littlest thing going wrong in a mm. show, like a speaker going out mm. when there's supposed to be a beautiful music coming out, that can kind of change the energy too. Oh, oh, and then oh, people might not participate as much. Yeah. And to Don Petten's credit, the actor, like, we're describing a whole, like... She was amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. And to keep all of these variable pieces mm-hmm. together, but people losing their numbers mm-hmm. and yeah. people shouting things out, she was yeah. so good at rolling with yeah. even this involuntary participant and whatnot that yeah. she kept kept you in the room even when you were attempting to be playing. The way she worked the room, like, it wasn't just, like, mm-hmm. you know, at, at a fringe show where you work the front row and the sides of the rows. Like, she yeah. was going into the house, like... In the middle of rows yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, like she was pushing her way in, which I really admired. Yeah, um, I also really like the fact the director is Estelle Shook, who's the artistic director of Caravan Farm Theater. Which, uh, if people have ever been to Caravan, they know it's a, a theater company that uh, excels at doing the unusual, mm-hmm. like the audience interaction and the audience experience at Caravan is really something. And I think she's succeeded in bringing that element to the Belfry. Um, you know, by playing with the lights up, by not distributing programs ahead of the show, mm-hmm. um, by having, yes, the audience interaction and stuff. But there was just enough things going on that it really just changed the dynamic in an interesting mm-hmm. way. And it's a very short show. Like, it's only, what, 65, 70 minutes long. Uh, so it's pretty quick. And to have, you know, a lingering emotional impact for such a short show, I think, is pretty successful. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a very impactful story. Yeah. So it's de- like, and it, the setup's very, very different than the Belfry normally is, correct? Oh, so there's like, yeah. there's seats on the stage. Yeah, so yep. they've, they've got mm-hmm. sort of a wing of seats on the stage, like two, three rows on, mm-hmm. on uh, little risers on the stage. And then the stage, you know, probably half the stage is still there. And then there's the house. But with the lights up, mm-hmm. everybody sees everybody all yeah. the time, mm-hmm. which cuts out the idea of napping during a show. Yeah. And then they... <laughs> yeah, you um, they, be <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. minutes. Oh, I, mean, I know, but I tell you, I... Again, I saw it <laughs> happening, uh, but no balcony. Yeah, I was going to say they can't um, yeah, do the so balcony they keep it tight the down there. And then Brian Lenz is um, just sort of tucked off uh, stage right. He's uh, just off. It's sort of the side where the the audience seats stop, and he's set up there. So he's very much when she's on the floor, she's looking straight at him. So mm-hmm. he is very much. And the script reflects various musical cues, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wouldn't mind seeing it more than mm-hmm. once to see how much the music changes from mm-hmm. night to night because. There's moments in the show where she references music but doesn't say what it is. Like she says, my father would be listening to this kind of music Mm -hmm. and I would know not to go Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And then presumably 
it's Brian's choice what that kind of music is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll yeah, talk yeah. a little bit yeah. more about that later. Mm-hmm. So. Um, um, but yeah, so the, it just opened. Uh, Every brilliant thing yeah. runs to December twenty second at the Belfry. Um, I'll be curious to hear what Brian's got to say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think the music itself changes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. He said that the improvisational nature of the show isn't really doesn't affect the musical choices. Hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, but he had a lot of interesting things to say about the show, including challenges in rehearsing it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, how do you rehearse a show that's built on audience participation when there's yeah. no audience there mm-hmm. to rehearse with? Yeah, Brian uh, was able to help with that. So I'll we'll share more. He played every yeah. single part. <laughs> that's really. <laughs> Um, and then the other show you saw, you saw Girl Power. I saw Girl Yay! Power. Yeah, I missed Girl, girl Power, Girl Power, uh, or Girl Purr, as they said in the show. <laughs> uh, I missed that at the Fringe this year, but I'd heard so much buzz about it that I really wanted to see it on this one night only remount they just did uh, last week. And uh, I was not disappointed. It was everything I was expecting to be and so much more. Uh, it was educational, it was inspirational, it was funny, it was great music, great singing, great dancing. Um, great performances by the entire cast. Um, so I really hope they do mount it again, and I'd like to see it mounted for more than one night. Mm-hmm. I think there's really strong potential in this production, uh, not only to bring in a new, younger audience demographic, um, but also to uh, really reach out to people who might not come to a theater or be you know, a fringe-style show. Uh, I could see this production going to like a a conference, like a women's studies conference or something like that, Mm. because, you know, getting a lecture on the history of feminism that goes back to the suffragette movement and up till today in a funny way that kept you engaged in all sorts of little facts. You're like, I had no idea about this and throwing it out there. And then the performances themselves were so strong. Um, I really hope this show has a future. I hope that they decide to do something more with it, whether that's remounting it, whether it's taking it on tour or whether it's packaging it as a show that can be done in other cities, not by uh, the creators, you mm-hmm. know, like just releasing it to people to put it up because I think there's such great promise here for this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they've obviously put a ton of work into it. Um, it is an, an excellent show. Yeah. It's interesting and super entertaining, I think, for all the waves of the feminists. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and just nonstop, nonstop fun, nonstop information, nonstop dancing and all the props and everything like that. Um, you know, kudos to all, all five of them who put it together. Uh, I, I could see a really inspirational double bill with Girl Power put together with Carrie OK mm-hmm. and having those two shows uh, you know, two equally short shows with a short intermission between and people would come out just feeling so positive and so empowered by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there music in there that would be difficult to license or anything like that? Probably. I have yeah. no idea about yeah. that end of things because it's uh, Destiny's Child, TLC, and the Spice Girls are sort of the yeah. three anchor groups. Yeah. yeah, I'm not um, sure how it works with a musical review yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. like that they, might be a challenge. They touch on like everybody else, like, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, Lana Smorissette, No Doubt, the Andrew Sisters, the Shirelles, the Dixie Cups. Like, there's so many mm-hmm. bands they do snippets of. You get a history, musical history of girl groups going back to World War II with the Andrew Systems, Sisters up to today as well, cool. up to the 90s. And uh, I, I just had so much fun. Yeah, yeah it would be neat to see more Victoria shows really, like, get that 
licensing and everything yeah. hammered mm-hmm. out. And, yeah. 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 Or at least another company coming in and, and picking it up and touring it. You know, when I was sitting there, I was thinking about Menopositive, uh, the musical, the variations that have come through the Belfry through the years and thinking like, you know, girl power is very much for another generation of, uh, of audiences that mm-hmm. it would, uh, it could do equally well for, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, the age ranges in the one I went to, like there were people there who were probably 18, 19 and up to their sixties and everybody was having a great time. Mm-hmm. People were dressed, some people were dressed in oh, characters. They awesome. came as a group. They get cool. to all the Spice Girls. And the demand for those tickets, it sold out immediately. <sighs> it was a hot ticket auction item totally. wherever they showed up. Yep. Yeah. And like, people, people were want singing to see along it. and the people behind me were wooing their asses off. Like, <laughs> was up on their feet and oh, everything. Wow. Like it was, it was fantastic. I've never mm-hmm. seen a crowd recent in recent memory i haven't seen a crowd react to their show like that oh wow um, and it was just it was such a great experience that's awesome so, yeah yeah i would totally go again yeah, i want to see it again i know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and amanda you you saw secrete yeah right? i mean full disclosure i did work on this show um it had a uh but i wanted to talk about it because it's a really interesting project so this is a show that just finished a uh, short run at Intrepid Theatre Club uh, at the end of November, beginning of December. And it's a brand new show written by Rick Waynes, who folks may have seen him. He does the vocal eye performances, mm-hmm. but he's also written a couple of plays. This is his second play. And um, this project was really interesting to me because it's a play about uh, HIV criminalization and uh, it's based on Rick's, oh, he's a, he's HIV positive. He, um, contracted HIV, uh, through a tainted blood transfusion when he was a kid. And, um, the play is about his struggles with disclosure and, um, is about the criminalization of HIV, which is still an issue even in Canada today. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting show, three-hander, um, well, the cast was great. Um, Matt Payne, um, Kat Turton and Jessica Lowry. So she plays, um, Billy, kind of this main character and, uh, Kat Turton plays Guy and Matthew Payne, Payne plays this, uh, police officer character. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention it because it was the first time this play, uh, was ever produced world premiere. It was a really interesting show, just kind of exploring, um, the, this, you know, this concept around HIV criminalization, Mm -hmm. this woman is being interrogated by a police officer because, uh, she was uh, beat up by her boyfriend. Um, she thinks it's because, um, you know, she's been assaulted, but it turns out that she is being charged with, um, non-disclosure of HIV. Mm. Um, so just kind of how messed up that all is. And, um, and then it turns out there's quite a few more, uh, twists in the play beyond that. Um, yeah. And I, and it, it kind of comes back to that, uh, what you were talking about with girl power, like it's, uh, Rick self-produced the show and then, you know, what happens after that? Like it's, it's an interesting piece. It could be kind of an educational piece as well around this, uh, this interesting topic, but then, you know, what happens now, right? Like you put it up, you put all this work, blood, sweat, mm-hmm. and tears into putting this up. And then what do you do? Like hope somebody else picks it up, you know? Yeah. Anyway. So I just wanted to mention it because it is a really interesting play that I hope 
sees the light of day again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, sounds like a very topical plan yeah. to do for World AIDS Day. Yeah, like it closed on World AIDS Day, yeah, which yeah. was which was pretty cool. And I mean, it mm-hmm. sold out. The whole run was sold out, yeah. pretty much. I mean, it's not a huge house, but no, um, it did quite well. And um, but yeah, I mean, you just you just never know what's going to happen after, mm-hmm. right? You do a little run like that. So. Well, you know, and again, this is nothing new for Victoria that there's new plays being developed here. Mm-hmm. Like we're always seeing new plays developed here and. Uh, you know some of them you hope that you'll see on their feet again and some of them just never do um, you know you think back over the years of the number of new plays that we've seen and whatever happens to them yeah you know, and that's the ephemeral nature of theater of course you see it and then it's done mm-hmm. but you would hope some of these can go further yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm optimistic this one will just because I think that it's a topic that mm-hmm. um, and and they were great they had uh, facilitated discussions after the show with HIV educators for folks if they wanted to talk about it because it is it is such a touchy subject for a lot of people mm-hmm. sure. I think a yeah. lot of people are um, like uncomfortable with that idea still and uh, yeah so anyway uh, yeah I guess what's next um, well Brian so yeah early in the show we heard your guys's review of every brilliant thing and um, yeah there are a lot of unique elements to that show that's on now at the Belfry but one of the more intriguing things that piqued my interest um, was the sound design when I heard about this show. Um, lots of jazz and soul music, and uh, that was done by Brian Linz, a familiar name to many folks in the Victoria who uh, check out Victoria Theatre. Um, he's a veteran actor on top of being a veteran sound designer. And he actually just did the sound design for the Belfry's last production too, Bang Bang, if you saw that one. And that was a co-production with the theater company in Winnipeg as well. Um, and the fact that he was doing the sound design for Bang Bang actually made doing this project pretty challenging um, because given that one of the show's many unique aspects was that uh, the sound was all done live right so that he had to start doing his sound design process from afar in a bit of a different way yes as a sound designer it's a very unusual one um, because the whole sound design is played live and uh, so as a sound designer usually and, and and the difference I guess would be the fact that in the preparation I would usually um, source sounds and music and on the internet and and then I would put everything into folders where I thought everything should go in the script and and uh, with this one I only had the limitation of what records I had because well we had a small budget where we could go buy certain records if we needed them because there were certain records mentioned in the script that we needed and I didn't have so um, I was working on a show in Winnipeg Bang Bang, which was the previous show here, and uh, I took pictures of all my records and then went on Spotify when I was there looking for sounds that would be right for this show. So I took those digital files and put them in the folders and listened to them and we worked on them in rehearsal. And then uh, when the director said, yeah, that works, or I felt something worked, I would try it in rehearsal with the album. So I kind of went from digital, from photographs of the album to digital to, uh, to the actual vinyl. So kind of a bit of a different process mm. than <laughs> what uh, what you'd imagine, and and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Brian's impressive vinyl collection <laughs> later on. Um, so not only is every brilliant thing sound design live, Brian, as you guys mentioned, Brian's actually like 
present in the show. Like he's not right in the middle of the stage, but he's on the stage. And that's also pretty unusual for a sound designer. And you throw in the fact that the show includes a lot of audience participation. And yeah, you've got audience members playing all kinds of different characters. And it's, yeah, it's a pretty different show as we heard you guys talking about. And Brian says it's also challenged his DJ skills quite a bit. <laughs> um, there's one point in the show where he has to quickly switch between tracks. I think it was that one scene that you mentioned where um, he's uh, having to, when she's talking about her dad. And yeah, mm -hmm. yeah he, he, he yeah, specifically yeah. mentioned that in the interview that yeah. like that particular scene was very challenging sure. for him. So he's having to do some beat juggling there. Um, but he's also been able to bust out some of his acting skills as part of the process of doing the sound design for this. Since rehearsing a show that relies so heavily on the audience, interaction has been a bit of a challenge. It's, it, it's nice to be with the audience and with the show. And, and, and it's taken me into, like, because I've been in rehearsals every single day as well, uh, I've become not just because of the music, but in, entrenched in the show because we've been able to, because it's an improvisational show and there aren't a lot of uh, people in the room. There's the director, the two stage management uh, people, and myself, and I have an assistant on this who's, uh, who's as a mentor, uh, I'm teaching him the, the ropes of uh, sound design. And we are the kind of, uh, the dummy, you know, the, 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 uh, the guinea pigs. Uh, for uh, Dawn to improvise with. So I've had a really good time because, uh, you know, coming from an acting background and being an actor, I've been able to play the kind of tough audience member who just doesn't really want to say anything or the one that says too much or the one that, you know, trips or, you know, when she's running through the audience, I leave my shoes in the way so that, you know, she has obstacles to give her obstacles because we didn't know what she would face with the audiences. Yeah, that's one thing he said was like, I asked him when, because when we spoke, it was just after I think the first preview night had happened. And he said that was one thing that uh, they had had to adjust for was how long it would take her to run mm. through the audience. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that had was something that they hadn't really like factored in much because you know, when they're rehearsing, there's not as many people. And, and the Belfry doesn't have a center aisle right. to like cut yeah, yeah, through. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Um, so um, Brian does seem like a natural choice to do the sound design for this particular show because of his massive record collection. He has a legendary record collection and he's actually in the process of selling it. Um, I bought a few pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, some people have heard of his ongoing massive record sale. Um, why he's selling his records, um, he had a few reasons. It's so much easier to find things online. He's downsizing his house and it's just kind of a hassle owning 10,000 records. They take up a lot of room. <laughs> sure. yeah. um, and he says that the call from the Belfry to do this gig came basically right in the nick of time. And I tell you, this record sale and selling it, I'm still continuing to sell it, uh, sell the albums, is really great. Like, it's, I've always wanted a record store, like, ever since I've been sort of collecting records. I, like, loved going into record stores. And, and, uh, and, and so I had, like, the, a two-day sale where, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people came and bought records and everybody walked away happy because the prices were really good. And I'm still selling my records on, uh, you know, 
used Victoria and Facebook and you know now I'm selling online on Discog some of the kind of more high-end records and, and that's been kind of fun too but they're all and people come over to the house as well like they'll phone them come on over and I'll turn them on to something they'd never heard before and we talk about music and concerts and I've met some really interesting characters there's a show there with the people that I've met but I think the uh, copyright licensing would be really expensive because I'd want to play the records that I was talking about with these guys. Um, and, and the other thing is, with this show, like it was right in the middle of me selling records, and I was selling some jazz records, and I probably sold about 100 jazz records. And, and then I got this call to do this show that was all jazz, you know, and soul music. So like I pulled all those records so they're not available. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian had, obviously, as he mentioned, a few great stories to share from the ongoing sale, including a couple of small surprises in terms of items that weren't as popular as he thought they might be. Um, although he says he's never all that shocked when one of his records finds a new home. Well, nothing surprises me because my record collection, I bought these records originally. So some of the really oddball records, um, you know, somebody would want them uh, because they were oddball guys. And we talk about oddball records, like really unusual or exotic records. Um, uh, some, some, like I have a lot of like world records that I picked up over the, over the years. And I met some really interesting DJs that were sort of like buying records to sample. And so that was kind of cool. And some Bollywood, like some, a lot of DJs were buying some Bollywood stuff. And and uh, and then there were just like some young people that just like had no idea, just loved the record covers. And and I don't know if you know who Ravine is. Do you know he he was a uh, a hypnotist that toured around Canada, Canadian, and uh, for years and years, you know, he'd play everywhere across Canada. And I have this record, and it had a a, a picture of Ravine on it, and a guy. His, his girlfriend looked at it and said, Jimmy, you're on the cover of a record. And he looked exactly like this guy. So they were taking pictures and it was just great. Like then there were musicians that came and we could talk about music and, and everybody's still like to this day, still when they come over to my place, they're going like, how come people haven't bought this record? And, and so uh, it's been exciting. The things that I'm kind of, I thought comedy records, I have some really great comedy records and people really don't seem that interested in comedy records or, um, and musicals, like I thought, oh, like I've got some amazing musicals, and you know, I put, it, I sort of put the word out, and we got to sell a couple here and there, but uh, you know, it's mostly the '80s, '70s. I'm curious about the Bollywood records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had some fantastic internationals. We had a whole uh, section of like German records, but it was like German mm. disco and uh, oh, just all Jimmy sorts. Jimmy would of stuff. love all of that. <laughs> it was just. He might still have a Christmas lot of shopping. If he has German oh, disco, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Lot well, he's still he he's still got lots for sale. German you disco. can get in touch with Brian. The German disco yeah. ones, the covers were hilarious. Oh, I bet. Um, so, Belfry audiences uh, will be able to get even more of a taste of Brian's record collection as they filter into the lobby before the show because um, he's DJing every night. Um, as you walk in. So the music oh. you hear when you walk in is Brian oh, DJing. Um, uh, he's DJing warm-up tunes every night as DJ Brain Spins. <laughs> uh, that's that's what they've been calling him because of a, a typo on his coffee cup uh, that uh, was made for his production mug. Oh. Um, but you, uh, there are other people who may remember uh, Brian's other DJ moniker. Uncle Bry. Uncle Bry's fun house. Yeah, from the, uh, I guess it was over 10 years he yeah. was on CFUV. Yeah. Uncle Bry's fun house, his uh, CFUV radio show. 
And uh, he has some uh, really fond memories of that show and uh, some pretty good stories, too. I loved doing that show. My favorite slot, I, I moved around the dial, the dial, not the dial, but the, the time schedule. Um, but my favorite slot was six to eight in the morning. Um, and uh, it, it was great. And I would get phone calls. I think my, my favorite was just playing weird and wonderful records and people calling me up in the morning. And, uh, and there, was, <laughs> there was a guy in Port Angeles who called me up and said he was dancing naked at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, I don't know, to, uh, to one of the songs I was playing. You know, it was just like living out in the woods, kind of listening to my show. Another woman called from Delta and said, could you please turn that song off? My, my cat is scratching the speaker. <laughs> And that's kind of how I got into sound design a little bit with the radio show too, because I was always kind of trying to, I was always doing themes. So I was always trying to like find a flow and find the music that would all fit within an hour or two hours. And uh, yeah, and it, 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 uh, it, it took its toll. And especially getting up in the morning and lugging all the records all the time to the station. And, but uh, so much fun. And I, you know, I, if I have to retire at some point from acting and sound design, I mean, I'm really hoping to do another radio show. Yeah, and I mean, so I guess we could say this would be a natural time to say you may be listening to this show on CFUV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, because Check the Program will be airing on CFUV pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. or you maybe right now. Maybe, maybe. You may be right listening. Now. You may be listening to it on CFUV, um, I believe, the third Monday of the month. I have no idea what time yet. Yeah, no. But <laughs> 6 to 8 a.m. Yeah, exactly, of course. <laughs> Replacing Uncle Bryce Funhouse. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exciting. We're really yeah. excited about that. Yeah, it's a good new partnership um, for us. Yeah, that's great. so that's great. Um, and then, uh, in closing, I asked Brian for a record recommendation. Oh. A favorite album of mine, and I, I kind of, like, think this was sort of the touchstone of me getting into interesting music, was uh, a record called uh, Dirk Bogard Recites Lyrics for Lovers. And he reads Cole Porter and Irving Berlin songs, and it's very dramatic, kind of in the William Shatner doing, you know, Rocket Man. But this was way before. And, and because he was such a good actor, he almost pulls it off. Like, it's very romantic. There's very lush strings in the back. You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. You know, it's with a very rich British accent is quite lulling. And yeah, I like that record. And I also, I, I never spent a lot of money on records. So I think I got that record for like $1.49 at Kelly's in Vancouver. <laughs> I, I tracked some samples of this down off YouTube and it is, it is very entertaining. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> is that going to be our outro music? Yeah, I'll, I'll play a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I think you have to. It's pretty great. So um, thanks, Brian, for taking the time to chat. I had a really great chat with Brian. And nice. I'm sure we can share the full interview. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll put that up on uh, on Anchor. So thanks, Brian, for chatting. Thanks. And it was it was good times. So what's coming up in the next... Uh next little while there's a whole bunch of pre-christmas stuff holiday stuff holiday, yeah. well let me throw it off uh a couple of things are coming up next week right away that are not holiday stuff ccpa is doing two short runs of goodnight desdemona and good morning juliet and the crucible uh and those both run in the december 11th to the 14th position and i'm going to go see their version of the crucible because it sounds very interesting they're doing a dystopic gender spin on the traditional witch trials story Ooh. Ooh, yeah, right. yeah. 
Um, I'm going to do some non-holiday themed picks um, in the electronic music realm. Mm. There's uh, a few highlights. Uh, Friday, December 20th, um, Subdivision is having their 10th anniversary. I don't know if you guys remember them. That was like the long running um, electronic music night that uh, Chris Longshanks mm. did at Lucky Bar. So they're throwing a, they're coming out of retirement doing a 10th anniversary show with Michael Red. So that'll be great on December 20th at Lucky Bar. And then if you uh, want something to do some dancing between Christmas and New Year's, um, Mark Farina is coming to uh, Capitol Ballroom on December 26th. And the librarian will be there at the same place on December 27th. Mm. So if you want to just like um, just party your face off before New Year's, those are two places to go to hear some great music. Mark so. Farina. I proposed to my wife at a Mark Farina show at, uh, at Sugar. At yeah. The same so there you go. You under can the re- big disco ball. You can relive <laughs> the magic. I had to yell over the beads. Do you want to get married? <laughs> How many times did you have to yell at? I think a couple of times. <laughs> the first time she didn't really hear me and then she had to process it. And then, you know, of course, Beth was like, Yes! <laughs> That's <laughs> it awesome. was so romantic. Yeah. And then we were there with like half a dozen friends, right? And so we had to work the dance floor and tell everybody. Yeah, tell so, everybody. Oh, yeah. that's was so that sweet. the mushroom jazz area? It was, uh, no, I think it was just a mark. For, it was one of the, the summer gigs he was doing, yeah. Yeah, last time I saw him was at Tall Tree. Hmm. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's still. Not that long ago, right? Uh, Tall Tree is That's for sure. Mark Farina. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he comes pretty regularly. Yeah. He always puts on a great set. Yeah. He's he's pretty pretty solid. Even after all these years, he's still he's still uh, putting together solid sets. So highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a I guess quasi holiday show this week. Um, Confabulation has their last of uh, of the year um, called Family Stories. Confabulation uh, for the uninitiated is storytelling um, in in six or seven minute vignettes on a theme, and it typically takes the theme in lots and lots of different wild and woolly directions. And so, family, I mean, is a big feature of December for a lot of people, um, either you know uh, for for better or worse, or or um, you know, all sorts of uh, different ways that that can go. So I'm curious to see what they do with it this year. And that's uh, Thursday, December 12th at the VEC. And it always, there's no tickets in advance. It's at the door. And if you're not lined up by about seven, you don't get in. It's gotten so popular. But yeah, it's a, a fun way to, to spend a little holiday time. Mm-hmm. I think we're both at the Wonderheads mm-hmm. Christmas Carol next week. Um Wonderheads are a pretty incredible puppetry company mm-hmm. in Victoria who have had some amazing fringe shows and uh, this is a new show that's touring the island and will be in Victoria uh, December 17th and the 17th 18th. and 18th yeah and then we'll be going to the mainland um, so yeah, yeah they're yeah they're that. in Nanaimo and they're in um, so yeah, they're going to be in Campbell River on the 12th, Duncan on the 14th, Nanaimo on the 15th, then here on the 17th and 18th, and then they're in West Vancouver on the 20th, and then New Westminster on the 21st. So yeah. They're doing a whole... And they and did a couple days on Salt Spring prior to that, Yeah, too. yeah, they're yeah. on Salt Spring. So that's great. It's great they're yeah. getting around with it. And it's their take on the Scrooge story yeah. on mm-hmm. Christmas Carol. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, when are they on Salt Spring? Oh, they've already done. Oh, yeah, they've already done yeah. Salt Spring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's great that they have a little holiday show. Yeah, cool. that's great. And then uh, a couple of other uh, local favorite independents are doing holiday things. Paper Street. Uh, Paper Street is doing old silk hats from December 11th to the 14th at the Intrepid Theater Club. And uh, Launchpad is doing Radio Mistletoe and My Man Godfrey from December 28th to the 31st at the mm-hmm. club as well. Yeah, that's a fun little radio play yeah. show. That's a cute one. Yeah. So lots to check out. Lots to yeah. check out. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Is that it? That's that's all? We're done? Done. Yeah. Um, so, as usual, you can uh, drop us a note at checktheprogramyyj at gmail.com. You can listen to an archive of our old shows at anchor.fm. If you'd like to catch up on old episodes, uh, you can hear us on CFUV now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Um, we're also on social media uh, at Check the Program on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so thanks for listening, and thanks to Brian for Brian Linz for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks to Carrie OK for our theme music. And until next time, I guess happy holidays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll be back in early New Year. Yeah, I think and, so. And uh, reflecting a bit on some of the big arts news of the year mm-hmm. so that should be a pretty topical yeah um, we'd love to episode. hear from people about what they think were like the big we have our thoughts on what we think were the big art stories mm-hmm. of the year this year um, but we would love to hear what you think were the big art the themes of like the art stories of the year in Victoria so let us know what you think um, so until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. And don't forget, check, check out the, the program. program. Someday, when I'm awfully low, when the world is cold, I'll be all aglow just thinking of you and the way you look tonight. Oh, but you're lovely. With your smile so warm and your cheeks so soft. There's nothing for me but to love you. Just the